You're listening to a podcast from Blogging Heads TV. Hello, this is Bob, uh, and this is The Right Show, as usual. What's not usual is that normally on Friday, I would be saying, hi, Mickey, instead of this is Bob. Mickey, as you can see, is not here. He uh, is sick. He doesn't have COVID, tested negative. Uh, he has what he described to me in an email as a digestive bug. Uh, I gather he ate something that didn't agree with him, which would give it something in common with me. Um, I think that will be the last joke about uh, Mickey's illness. Anyway, um, he's not here. Uh, what I'm going to do is actually spend a little time talking on my own, um, saying some of the things I might have said if he were here, maybe even trying to anticipate what he would say in reply. Um, I'm not under the illusion that this is a satisfactory replacement for the the, the normal uh, Bob Mickey dynamic. I fully expect most people to have already clicked stop. But there may be a few of you who have set aside the time on your Friday night to listen to this podcast. And now you're like, what am I going to do? You know, it's not as if there are like a million other podcasts in the world. It's not like that. So your loss is either listen to our podcast or confront the fact that you live in a, a vast and cold universe and different to your suffering. So I'm going to do what I can to fill some of your time um, just talking, not quite aimlessly, uh, but uh, not with rigorous preparation about things that have happened this week, stuff like that. Before I do that, I want to address the obvious, the elephant in the room, the moose in the room, the parrot in the room, and that is what about the parrot room? Um, the answer is there will not be one tonight. There may well not be one at all. There probably won't be one at all. If Mickey is feeling up to it Saturday morning, we can tape. But thereafter, uh, holiday obligations um, begin to engulf at least me. Uh, and and I, I don't know about Mickey, but if we, if we can tape tomorrow, we will tape. Uh, you'll, you know, those of you who subscribe to the Parrot Room uh, on Patreon, at patreon.com slash parrot room. Um, we'll get the usual email letting you know that it, that it is, that it is up if it's up. Um, and, uh, and those of you who, uh, get access, uh, through the, the, my newsletter, the non-zero newsletter through a paid subscription. Um, we don't, we, you don't usually get an email notifying you of the parrot room. You can always go to the site, the non-zero Substack site, and check. And, and 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 of course, all of you, however you get the parrot room, if you get it, you may well have a, a, a the feed on your podcast app. So you just check that, and we'll either be there or not. But the soonest it would be is afternoon uh, Saturday, East Coast time. And uh, chances are, I'm sorry to say, it it won't happen. But there's a chance it will. Um, apologize if it doesn't, I guess we could plead holidays. This is a big holiday, Easter, Passover, Ramadan, right? Take your pick. Um, 
And uh, so anyway, what would we have talked about? Let's see. Um, obviously, the Ukraine war, I can't seem to get away from that. I'll, 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 I'll hold off on that for a little while. Uh, there have been Elon Musk developments um, since Mickey and I recorded at that point. I think he was going to join the board of Twitter. Now he's not. Uh, and in fact, he claims he's going to try what would be a hostile takeover. Um, it's apparently unclear that he actually could pull that off, both because the Facebook uh, board is taking defensive measures uh, and because, you know, he, he has plenty of money on paper, but that's uh, mostly like Tesla stocks, SpaceX stocks, stuff like that. Um, it's not cash. To turn it into cash, he would have to pay a lot of taxes, something billionaires hate to do. Um, so that would leave using it as collateral for a loan. Uh, there are banks who would, who would bet $40 billion that Tesla stock won't tank. <laughs> You know, I guess that's the kind he's looking for. Um, but I think if he had a more diversified portfolio, he would have an easier time uh, using it as collateral. I'm just I'm just parroting what I read in the Wall Street Journal. It could I don't know if any of this is true. Anyway, uh, as for are we pro Elon or anti Elon takeover? I don't know what Mickey would say for sure. I think he's pro, you know, Mickey's pro free speech and would like that part of Elon's vibe. I like that part of Elon, Elon's vibe. Basically, I'm, I'm not as confident as Musk is that we live in a universe magically designed such that the completely untrammeled flow of information always leads to good outcomes. Um, I'm not as sanguine about it. It's just that uh, a freer a freer speech policy on Twitter seems to me better than, than what we have now. In fact, uh, a, pod, a, a Twitter, Twitter feed that I, um, a, tw a Twitter account that I get a lot out of, Russians with Attitude, which are these basically, I think you could say pro-invasion Russians, um, who bring a lot of information to my attention, including about the way things are viewed in Russia that I wouldn't have otherwise. They were briefly uh, kicked off of Twitter this week and then and then reinstated. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why they were kicked off, why they're reinstated. But I do think that would have been a very bad call on Twitter's account. I think they're fundamentally honest, uh, you know, and uh, leaving aside which, which which side of the war they're on. Um, anyway, if. Uh, of course, both Mickey and I are very concerned with the blue check mark issue. I think it was Mickey who pointed out last time, since we don't have them and, and we have only realized relatively recently that they would be nice to have. They actually do you some good. They get your tweets more widely seen. Um, and uh, I think Mickey's the one who told me last week, maybe, that uh, Musk has said he favors um, just charging people extra for if they want a blue check mark. It's always hard to tell with Musk. Is that like, serious or is it and this is something i like about musk is is his subversiveness right i mean is that some kind of wry commentary on how absurd the blue check mark situation is like hey if it's this high status thing you can brag about well you know monetize that fact right it's just like if it's privileged people who get it 
they can they can you know cough up the money i don't know but uh that wouldn't be a worse thing than we have now because i think that would tend to subvert the blue check mark uh the the perceived significance of it which is the reason it matters right because a lot of blue check mark people have their accounts set such that they only see the tweets of other blue check mark people and and so on but if you know anyway enough about uh musk my main fear about elon musk is just that he's a destabilizing force he just he just tries shit out you know it's like for a while he was selling ma mail order flamethrowers you remember that part of tesla's history and i guess it worked out okay if i were on the board i would have said you know i can imagine some lawsuits like when some three-year-old uh, torches his mother's face uh but i didn't hear about any lawsuits so maybe he bet right he, he he's been kind of in a certain sense i think careless about the so-called autopilot feature of tesla na namely in calling it autopilot right which invites anyone who does sue you to say you misled them into thinking that they could just take a nap even though the directions say otherwise you know anyway i i i don't you know twitter it worries me that you could have uh somebody who's just wakes up and says hey let's try this because when 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 people like him uh you know or mark zuckerberg with facebook just try things it has the effect of screwing up life for tons of people like you know, I, I had a, a, a Buddhism course I taught that was on Coursera. I taught it at Princeton. It, it was on the Coursera platform. And we had like 25,000 Facebook followers and I had worked a little to get them, you know. And then suddenly Zuckerberg says, you have to start paying us money or we will not share your stuff with your own followers very robustly. And that was the end of that, you know. Um, not that, you know, I'm the kind to drag out my personal grievances. So that's all I have to say about Elon Musk. I, I I worry that he would just say, hey, let's try this. And suddenly that's like super bad for you. And now people are not seeing your tweets anymore. Um, that's my only, that's my main concern. About Elon Musk, not that you asked. Uh, another big story this week, New York subway shooter. Um, I don't know what there is to say. I think Mickey and I would agree that whether you call this uh him mentally ill or criminally responsible he probably shouldn't be walking the streets uh for quite some time um i actually when he was first identified i went to his youtube channel and just randomly picked a video it was like uh i think months old it was way it was kind of way down there and it was him ranting about the people at a um at a particular um, mental health facility. I couldn't tell whether he had been committed there. It was like a halfway house for people with issues, I think, substance abuse issues, maybe mental health issues. He referred to one of the people who worked there as his former supervisor. So I couldn't, I couldn't tell if he had been a patient there or a worker there, or maybe both. Maybe they you know, transition you uh, toward the real world by having you do some work there. I, I don't know, but in any event, he had this row of pictures up of all these people who work there and he clearly i would be if i were one of them now i'd be glad that he didn't pay that facility a visit because he seemed primed to um and 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 he had clearly worked this into an ideology okay he had this grand theory of what was wrong with the world and in various ways these people fit into it um the uh and 
I, 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 the one, the only thought I had about that that I found worth thinking, um, aside from, you know, how sad the whole thing is, uh, you know, I, um, I have two daughters who live in Brooklyn. Naturally, the first thing I did is go see where this subway station is, not near them. Brooklyn's a big place. Um, so I, uh, um, you know, and, and, and it's obviously bad if this is the way things are heading, right? Which is, I think, a feeling people have is that this is symptomatic. I mean, ironically, that was his cause, right? One of his causes was law and order. He didn't think the mayor of New York was doing enough. And apparently this was his way of showing it. Um, but uh, no, the only other thought I had was the, this, the basic dynamic there is deranged as it seems like these are the people I hate and they, and I'm going to like turn them into a cornerstone of my ideology, according to which these are the kinds of people who are bad and are harming the world. I think there's a little more of that in all of us than maybe we realize by that, by which I just mean that the conflation of, 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 of social um, considerations and ideological considerations. I, I find myself doing that. It's like, wait a second. I started disliking these people because, you know, they, they supported the Iraq war and they were, you know, they carried the day and were getting the airtime and they still are. So that started as an ideological thing, but now do I, do I dislike them so much that whatever they, whatever ideology they profess is something I'm going to oppose? Is it, is it anyway, I do think there's this, it's a very human natural tendency makes sense when you think about how the brain evolved um, to do this, this kind of stuff. And it's something we should all be alert to. I, I think in a way, a version of it is a, is a, is a transition to the Ukraine war in the sense that I, I, I've talked about this dynamic itself before with Mickey. Um, the, uh, the way during the resistance, because Russia came to be blamed for Trump's election, by resistance, I mean, hashtag resistance, resistance against Trump. Um, during the Trump years, people left of center became more Cold War-ish than they had been before. I genuinely think that. I saw it happening. It's like, wait, Russia's on Trump's team? I hate Trump. So I hate Russia. And I think um, that helped create the climate in which, uh, for one thing, the Biden team made no real effort to uh, find a negotiated alternative to the invasion. Um, I know uh, it's unpopular to say, to act as if there was one. And I, I have a little experience from this week to share with you that uh, kind of makes that point. Um, in fact, a couple of data points this week about, uh, about that, how unpopular it is to talk as if the US could have done anything to um, to avert the war, uh, and how uh, it's getting to the point where people who make this argument are in danger of being stigmatized, I think. I want to return to that. Um, first, let me just give you a little war update that I would have had in mind if I were doing this with Mickey. Um, I have kind of a bad feeling in my stomach about what's about to happen. I, I think 
the war is going to get uh, even more intensely bloody um, and could go on a long time. Um, you know, I was just uh, looking at the, the, the administration released a summary, the latest round of ammo, well, of, of armaments they're sending to Ukraine. And it's like one comes out every couple of days. You know, this is like whatever, uh, you know, $600 million here, $100 million here. It just keeps coming. But uh, among the items, like, uh, were – so first of all, there's long-range uh, howitzers, artillery. But, uh, but what caught my attention was the ammunition being sent along with that. So that we're sending artillery shells, naturally. These are 155 millimeter, you know, like, I don't know, what, like four inches in diameter or something? Close to a foot long, probably. They, they, huge amount of explosive force, of course. They can, you know, one of these can do a house. We're sending 40,000 of those, okay? I mean, that's a lot. And they're going to be fired at longer range uh, than most of the artillery that Ukraine now has is capable of being fired. Well, uh, as Russia has been demonstrating, uh, artillery does not always have um, perfect precision. I think sometimes they've been demonstrating that. Other times they've been demonstrating that um, that they thought that Ukrainian forces were hiding in civilian buildings. And maybe sometimes they've actually been trying to intimidate civilians into fleeing. I don't know. But in any event, you see, when people rely on long-range artillery, a lot of carnage can happen. That's 40,000 rounds. We're also sending them bullets. We're sending them 50 million bullets. I think that's enough to kill every, if well-placed, you know, I mean, uh, you know, if, if you really were aiming carefully with each one, I think that would kill everyone in, in, in Ukraine. And it's, I'm sure, not the half of, not nearly the half of the bullets that are being fired. Anyway, there's just a lot of stuff. Uh, and by the way, a clarification on these switchblades Mickey and I have been talking about. Uh, we're sending a lot more of those. The number had been 100. Now it's up in the hundreds. I don't know, three, four, five hundred. I don't know what the total is. Maybe more than that. Anyway, these are kamikaze drones. They come in two sizes. One that can go up to 45 miles away, can fly 45 miles away. You monitor them on a camera. I don't think you get to pick the target in mid-flight. You do get to abort in mid-flight. I'm not, I'm not sure if you get to pick the target in mid-flight. Anyway, um, the short arrangements are like four or five miles, and, and they can't blow up a tank but can do more lightly armored stuff. Anyway, what I was going to say, the clarification, the thing I didn't know before is these are not, the numbers you're seeing are for kits. In each kit, there are 10 of the kamikaze drones. So we are now sending thousands of, of these. And I still think uh, they could be a real factor in, in, in doing what would otherwise be very hard for Ukraine to do, which is actually friend, uh, fend off the westward wave of Russian uh, armament that's going to come their way. Uh, anyway, I guess what worries me is I just see this going on a pretty long time. Ukraine's going to have plenty of weapons. They actually have a lot of people. Um, they, they don't, they don't have as many people as Russia, uh, but in principle, maybe, but, um, Russia has a huge amount of armaments and I gather that support for the war in Russia is as at least as high as it's ever been. Maybe it's getting higher. 
you know, you might hope that things like, for example, Ukraine uh, sinking this ship that was the flagship of the of the Black Sea Fleet, a cruiser named uh, Moskva, which I, I guess means Moscow, right? Um, symbolically enough, you might think that that would be demoralizing, dispiriting. Um, I, 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 from what I can tell, it seems more like they're just taking it as uh, an affront uh, that 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 deepens the thirst for revenge. And I think one thing Americans in general don't understand about this war, and I, and I picked this up partly from the Russians with attitude Twitter feed and things they steered me toward, um, is, you know, Americans, I think we tend to think like, wait a second, he picks on this relatively small country, he can't get the job done, they're paying a huge price, surely his popularity will plummet, right? You should be able to polish off Ukraine. If you're going to pick the fight, you should know what you're doing. But you got to understand, this is not the way it's framed in Russia. He's not fighting Ukraine. He's fighting the American empire, okay? He has, I think, convinced most Russians of that. And let's face it, there's some truth. I mean, if you don't believe me, go look at that list of weapons. And by the way, I saw on one of these Twitter feeds, you know, uh, a video segment from the, I think the biggest nightly Russian state TV political talk show, where you really do see some range of views. It's narrowly circumscribed. You, you see your real hawks who are saying, let's, let's just go all the way, wipe out Ukraine. You see people not saying that. Um, but anyway, I noticed that they were, uh, as people were talking, they would every once in a while flash onto this list that, that, the, that the Pentagon had released of these armaments we're sending. I mean, that's how conscious they are that this is all, that, 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 that a lot of this is coming from America. Uh, you know, the other day, uh, Secretary Vince Austin tweeted, hey, we just finished training some Ukrainians here in America. We're sending them back to Ukraine. You know, that is like gold. That is like publicity gold for Russia, tweets like that. Um, because that, that's, that's the narrative. And there are people who say, well, do narratives matter? Should we worry? I think narratives matter a lot. I, I think, I think, and I think you give them talking points like this and they're going to run with them. And, and, and that's better than them not having these things they can point to. And I think uh, the effect they put them to is to sustain support for this war uh, in Russia. So I don't think Putin is, is in any danger of, of uh, you know, throwing in the, the uh, towel because of lack of support. And, and I think, sadly, the longer it goes on and the higher the costs there are, uh, the more he may feel compelled to have something to show for it. So the less inclined he's going to be to surrender any territory they've gained and so on. And uh, meanwhile, on Ukraine's side, you know, uh, feelings are as high as ever. So I, 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 uh, I, I worry, um, you know, this thing could uh, go on a long time. Every day it goes on, it can turn in a, in, into a wider war. Ukraine just uh, apparently attacked Russian soil again. This time it wasn't so clear what the, what the target was. Last time it was some kind of oil or fuel uh, repository. This time it sounds like uh, some civilians were injured. It's not clear what they were firing at. But um, 
in any event, whether in, in punishment for that or for the sinking of the ship or both, or, you know, Russia unleashed uh, an unusually uh, destructive array of force today, long-range long missiles. Um, okay, so uh, anyway, now on to uh, last thing, I guess, is... Uh, this issue of um, of whether America could have done more to um, avoid the war, whether we've been making mistakes for many years that have led to this. Uh, there was a little news on this front uh, this week. And actually, here, this is an item in today's non-zero newsletter, which I haven't yet finished, but will and send out. Uh, that um, Fiona Hill, well-known Russia expert, uh, who was a, a, a prominent figure in the Trump impeachment hearing, and is nobody's idea of a dove, by the way, uh, she, in a New York Times piece, she's got a book out, in a New York Times magazine piece, she reveals for the first time that she had warned George W. Bush against promising eventual NATO membership to Ukraine. Uh, she did it. Uh, she was in a room with Cheney. Cheney promptly kind of insulted her and said, oh, so you're not you're not for freedom or something and stomped out of the room. Um, but anyway, she'd warned him that this would antagonize Russia. Um, we've already we've long known that the ambassador to Russia at the time, William Burns, who's now head of the CIA, issued uh, actually more than one similar warning, said like Ukraine in particular, just a total red line for everyone in the national security elite in Russia. You know, uh, anyway, Bush went on in in that same year to promise uh, NATO to get strong arm NATO, a reluctant NATO, into promising membership to Ukraine, and that set in motion number of probably unfortunate things. Um, we don't know for sure what would have happened if if a policy that I think would have been wiser had prevailed. It didn't. By the way, uh, Fiona Hill also said that she told Obama and other people told Obama, Putin is thin skinned. Do not insult him in public. But Obama did say kind of disparaging things about him in, in public. You know, uh, the, the fact is, it's been a long time since we've had a president who I think was really very good at foreign relations and acted like a true professional. Honestly, uh, given the fact that Bill Clinton set NATO uh, expansion in motion, you might might have to go back to George H.W. Bush, uh, who had his problems on the foreign policy front from my, my point of view, but, uh, you know, comparatively speaking, I don't know, God knows the last three have been no uh, jewels. In fact, this, this week, Biden, who, uh, what was it? Last week we talked about him uh, embracing regime change in Russia publicly, probably not a good idea, regardless of whether it's your goal. This week accused Putin of genocide, um, again, whatever you think about whether it is genocide and uh, whether it was masterminded by Putin, if you think it was, uh, probably, I would argue, you know, I, the main thing is, again, it was another spontaneous utterance by Biden. This is just a context in which a capable president knows you don't freelance. OK, we, we do our messaging carefully. There's a war going on. They have nuclear weapons. There's a danger of this becoming a wider war. 
Um, anyway, the other uh, relevant development this week, and I picked up on this, I was listening to this War on the Rock, the Rocks podcast, and I had heard conflicting views on, or conflicting accounts of um, how willing the Biden administration had been to discuss NATO expansion. Putin had said the most they would say is, well, you know, we could pause it. You know, I mean, we're not planning to do it anytime soon. So there is de facto a kind of moratorium. But they wouldn't say, you know, we're going to permanently, uh, you know, disavow any any further NATO expansion. No, no, no actual commitment to not bring Ukraine into NATO. Um but we, there had been no, as far as I'm aware of, uh, clear statement on this from the administration. And this guy, Derek Cholet, who is the counselor to the Secretary of State, should know what he's talking about, was on this podcast, the War on the Rocks podcast. The host, Ryan Evans, said, so you folks refute, you know, he had indicated they just weren't up for talking about NATO expansion. And Evans says... So you folks refused to talk about NATO expansion with Russia. It was not on the table, uh, in, you know, in terms of diplomacy. And Charlotte says it wasn't. Yeah, so he's very clear. Um, I tweeted that, and it actually got a lot of retweets uh, because it was kind of news. It later became a news item, uh, the, the fact that he had said this in, like, responsible statecraft. But anyway, I got the usual... An example of a reply I got this from some guy who I guess is used to, either is or used to be a Fox sports correspondent, a guy with you know a fair number of followers. His reply to my tweet, well, my tweet was, this podcast is the clearest evidence I've seen that the U.S. made no serious diplomatic effort to prevent this war. And then I quoted th this quote where Charlotte says, no, it wasn't on NATO expansion, wasn't on the table. This guy's reply is, how many intellectual cartwheels does it take to avoid blaming Putin for this war? Um, so in other words, he's kind of calling me a Putin apologist. And this is such a bee in my bonnet, this whole issue. is like, you should be able to separate the two things. You should be able to say, Putin is to blame for the invasion. Okay, it's illegal under international law. But there are things we might have done that could have uh, avoided this whole mess and led to a stabler Europe for decades to come, not to mention uh, keeping alive tens of thousands of people, it now looks like, who will be dead, uh, probably more than 100,000 who will be, you know, permanently, you know, I don't know, wounded, maimed, something, millions of refugees. But apparently it's verboten in some circles to uh, revisit the question, well, is there something we could have done better? Um, and in fact, I heard, uh, you know, Rosen Bro Rosa Brooks, whom I respect, I think she's at Georgetown Law. She is, uh, was on a super blobby podcast uh, called Deep State Radio. To her credit, she's one of the less blobbish people on this podcast. Um, but she said this week, you just shouldn't discuss this question. She wasn't saying that the U.S. could not have possibly avoided this thing by not pursuing a policy of NATO expansion and maybe doing some other things. She just said, if somebody raised that question, refuse to talk to them. That's what she said. She said, refuse to engage in the debate. She thinks there should be no debate about this. And 
And, and she cited the same reason, right, basically. It, well, it's not the same. She didn't call the people who hold my view, who want to talk about it at A, and B, think maybe there's something we could have done. She didn't call them Putin apologists, but she said something like it just distracts us from the question of Putin's blame. Putin's being to blame and the need to focus on. And I suppose you can make an argument that, well, we'll, we'll, we'll sort this out later. Right now there's a war on. But first of all, it's not going to get sorted out later. Um, almost all Americans are going to forget about this thing as soon as it, the war is over, unless there are ongoing ramifications that are clear and super bad, which there may be. But the inclination of people will be to just leave this in the past, especially now that the whole frame of Putin being uh, solely responsible is so firmly established. And again, for practical purposes, in a legal sense, he is responsible. Ukraine isn't. It's easy. But uh, the, the narrative that, uh, oh, NATO expansion wasn't an issue, um, you know, I take issue with it. It, it, it uh, First of all, I mean, what people will point to is look at how unhinged he was in that, in that speech before the invasion, the, the Monday speech, I think. Well, that was after we had refused to talk, <laughs> we had been expanding NATO, refused to talk about not doing it, and in fact, de facto expanding it by filling Ukraine full of, of uh, weapons and NATO advisors and training troops and everything which as he explicitly said in the second uh, speech that week was tantamount to, uh, you know, Ukraine being a, a NATO outpost. Um, and by the way, in the speech where everyone, you know, Julia Yaffe, Josh Marshall said he, he didn't, he barely, quote, barely mentioned NATO. He mentioned it 40 times, I counted. NATO was a big deal with him. I, I absolutely agree that his psychology about all this is complicated, um, but, uh, and, and, and it's relevant. In other words, it, it's not just about national security. It's about respect for Putin personally. It's about respect for Russia. It's about a lot of things. But I think we were being warned about that more than a decade ago. William Burns was warning about that uh, long ago. He's been very conscious of, uh, of the whole respect issue with Russia, um, which, which he thinks predates Putin. And Putin is a particular manifestation of. Anyway, my main thing is just, I think we need to get better at separating the question of the analysis of why things happened and what could have been done to prevent bad things from happening from the question of culpability. It's hard to do. The human mind naturally intertwines the two, and to some extent, logically. I mean, you have to. There has to be a connection. It's just that uh, I think we're going to have to get better at being able to say, on the one hand, wait a second. Okay, so so Putin is the one who's legally responsible for this, or or the New York subway guy is the guy who's legally responsible for the crime, him and him alone. But is there something we could have done better? Where are the warning signs, right? Um, you just you just need to get better than this and, and, and at this and the people who want to engage in this, you know, you know, hold these two kinds of uh, analyses or, or thoughts in their mind at once uh, do not deserve to get stigmatized as uh, Putin apologists or subway shooter apologists or anything else. Um, 
So that's about all I've got. I mean, uh, let's see if there's any good news. Uh, yeah, just quickly, just glancing at the stuff that's in the newsletter. Um, apparently, these Starlink satellite things Elon Musk sent to Ukraine are actually, uh, according to this one article we linked to, they're, they're actually having some some effect. Uh, a lot of people in Ukraine are downloading the Starlink app, which I'm sure Elon is not upset about. Big numbers. Um, Politico calls Jake Sullivan, you know, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan's China team in the National Security Council, quote, Jake's nest of China hawks. I'm not surprised. Uh, according to a piece in the Wall Street Journal, China, because it is now worried more that we want regime change there, is now building up its nuclear stockpile faster than it would otherwise. Who knows? It could just be, I'm not sure that's at the actual dynamic or, or, or maybe something China wants to use as an excuse. Uh, this, this comet that was seen uh, by, I guess, Hubble, the Hubble telescope last year, they've now, the, the, the research has been done, the data's in, by far the biggest comet ever seen by Earthlings somewhere between 65 and like 83 miles in diameter. Big, big. Won't see it's like for a while. Um, relatedly, uh, we now have confirmed that a meteor sighted in 2014 was from another solar system. That makes it the earliest known case of a sighting of a meteor, 2014, that was interstellar, that emanated from some place other than our solar system, that we know that that's the case for. So there's that. Boston Marathon is bomb is banning, not bombing, banning Russians and Belarusians from participating in the marathon, which is this Monday. Oh, please. I guess the good news is that if they no longer reside there, they can run. They can be citizens of Russia and run so long as they have abandoned Russia as a place of residence. I don't know. I find this disgusting. There, there's, uh, we also have a piece about uh, the aforementioned McCarthyism, whereby uh, people are uh, accused of being um, Russia sympathizers, accused of treason, including some people I don't like, like Tucker Carlson. You know, I don't like him, but I don't think I don't think you should you should say he should be arrested uh, as. Some people are saying, ah, that's close to it. A couple of other things in the, in, the, in the newsletter. So, again, we, I, you know, who, how long have I been going on? Um, who knows? 40 minutes. Okay, well, by our standards, not long. Um, again, get well, Mickey. Uh, I'll, I'll try to rouse him tomorrow. Uh, for a parrot room um, on Saturday. If not, uh, we ask your indulgence um, for, uh, did I say at the beginning? Yeah, I did say at the beginning, I think that um, you just check. If you have the podcast app, either the one with the Patreon feed or the one with the non-zero newsletter feed, uh, you just check it um, tomorrow. And that's one way. And it, And if you're, if you get your thing, your your access through Patreon, you will get an email if the post goes up. Um, 
So uh, that's that. Get well, Mickey. What else was I going to say? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Oh, I wanted to thank uh, people because we 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 just did get over the eleven hundred mark on patrons. So it's I, I feel it's a terrible weekend to suddenly not deliver. Um, so we may we'll try. I would say there's about a, a 20, 30% chance. So stay tuned. Thank you. I'm sorry. I know I'm no I, substitute for Mickey. There was no opening gag. Um, I didn't give, you know, give myself a black eye or anything. Um, I'll, I'll get, you know, I'll, I'll, if I ever have to do this again, I'll, I'll try to come up with a gag. Thanks to anyone who's list, listened this long. If you have. And Mickey and I were planning to see you next week.